0: All right, everyone. Welcome. We're glad you're here with us today. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening or watching. Today we've got Pastor Matt with us to talk and answer questions about glorious design. What was it? Uh, gender identity.
1: And the gospel. Gender identity and the gospel.
0: And the gospel. So let's let's unpack that. I have to say, do you ever just have those days where you wake up and you're like, mm-mm?
1: <laughs> I do. That's, I do.
0: That's me today. So. There's, the,
1: there's the great cartoon that I'll often reference where um uh, just a newspaper cartoon where you can see a, a woman standing next to the bed and the husband's in the bed and the the husband says i don't want to get up i don't want to go to church and she says you've got to and he says no i just i'm too tired i don't want to get up i don't want to go to church and she said baby if you're not there there's not gonna be anybody to preach <laughs> so yes i do yes sure.
0: well and it's you know we're filming on valentine's day and i had that awful feeling where i woke up and i was like oh, i didn't get any valentine's for my children they're going to be scarred for life. Yeah, they won't even remember. Children. <laughs> okay, let's move on. So uh, we're getting into some really heavy territory here. Yeah. And I'm super appreciative because I just, this has just needed to be talked about forever in the church, at least to me it feels like. And I just haven't known how to handle it. So I'm really appreciative of you just addressing it head on. Um, I'm going to, look at our discussion guide for this week for home groups.
1: Sure. Um, While while you're looking at that, can I say a word about why it is so important that we talk about this in the church? Please. Um, Our culture, the voices in our culture, the music that um, we listen to, the the movies and the TV that we watch, the commercials, the magazines, everything is attempting to disciple us, is attempting to make us followers of something, is attempting to... Ah, uh, create in us a certain worldview and a certain set of beliefs and and a belief system. And we are going to be formed by that yeah. if we're not being formed by the gospel,
0: yeah,
1: and by the scripture. And especially our kids, our grandkids, if you're um, older generations, they are they're absolutely being discipled by the world. And this is a massive, massive, full on Um, ideological assault, uh, very intentionally, uh, being taught and championed and promoted. And our kids are absorbing it and they're believing it. Yeah. Um, and they're acting out of it. And their parents are absorbing it and believing it and, and acting out of it. And that's bleeding into the church. And so we have to be discussing it. Yeah. Uh, we have to be discussing it. It's sort of like the church's failure decades ago. Uh, churches didn't ever want to talk about sex. Well, everyone else talks about sex. Right. And the Bible talks about sex. And God is the creator of sex. And so we should be talking about it. Yeah. So I think it's uh, not only needed, I think it's necessary and critical right now yeah. uh, that the church bring a theological gospel-centered voice into uh, this domain.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and the truth is there's no place too dirty that Jesus can't go. There's no place no, too difficult all. that he can't bring understanding if he wishes. And I just, I appreciate kind of like, okay, no, this is, we're going to have Jesus be a part or be in all of this yes um, okay so the first question on this discussion guide is pretty good it says um, given the lifelong damage done to the bodies and psyches is that right Psyches. yes second. of minors by a growing number of drugs and procedures do you believe Christians and the church should respond to this moment as we have other issues of social injustice and degradation like sa- slavery segregation and abortion why or why not
1: Yes, and so, and then I have to say, uh, in there immediately following yeah. that, I have to acknowledge. Obviously, there was a segment of the church, particularly not not entirely, but particularly in the American South, who did not respond to slavery and right. and segregation correctly, biblically. Yeah. Having said that, the vast majority of voices and the near entire force behind the abolition of the slave trade in England and of the practice of slavery in the United States and of the end of segregation was Christian. Yeah. So we have to acknowledge that, but I do think that we're at a point now in our in our society where gender clinics are becoming so prominent and the gender affirming theory that whatever someone feels psychologically, yeah. you have to affirm and help them move into that biologically and and anatomically. Ooh. We we can't do a whole lot biologically, but anatomically or you are aiding in their self-harm right. in, in some way when that has become so prominent now that we are um, destroying uh, the bodies uh, and 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 harming, creating real lifelong harm to the psyche of minors of of children. And I just read an, an another news article yesterday uh, on a woman who is now. I believe she was in her late 20s, and she was transitioned mm-hmm. very early and uh, understood herself as transgender and um, as a woman uh, or, or a man trapped in a woman's body. Now she's come through that, does mm-hmm. not identify that way or see herself that way, and actually has children but was not able to nurse any of them because she she had a double mastectomy. Mm-hmm. And so she's dealt with the pain of that, and I just think the implications socially are so um, so deep and so widespread that Christians have to begin to bring our voice into the public square on this, mm-hmm. and in an appropriate way, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that speaks uh, biblical truth, um, yeah, and demonstrates love and care at the same time.
0: Yeah, I I really found myself when you pulled up the picture of the bred person and the gender unicorn. My, my oldest is first grade, hmm. you know, and my youngest is just over one. And I just found myself being super grieved. And over this series, the general feeling is just a feeling of heavy for me. I know a lot of, and I think it depends on your generation. Some people are feeling just overall angry for, you know, whatever reason. Some people are feeling just like, I do not care. But some people are feeling just heavy. So how do we engage this well and thoroughly without being completely weighed down just by overwhelm or grief especially those of us with kids who are being brought up in yes this, you know
1: yeah I do think you're right I think the initial emotional response varies across different genogra- yeah. uh different demographics and generations within the church and I'm, I'm particularly obviously we're particularly talking about Christ followers and right. and people in the church now um, I also believe that part of the fear and the the fear that I think is beneath some of the combativeness combative combativeness yes. combativeness and anger among some flows from a, a lack of knowledge. For sure. They they we don't know enough about this. We don't really understand what's going on and we get frustrated and angry because we know that that what's being said and what's being done is wrong. Yeah. But we we haven't yet been informed enough uh, to think about it theologically and holistically, yeah. and feel like, okay, this is how I respond this is this is yeah. how I respond in my family, in my community, yeah. this is how I differentiate um, individuals I'm talking with from the ideology right. um, and the lobby out there. But one I think is uh, to to relieve that whether it whether it is kind of a, an inclination toward combative combative yeah. I don't know why I can't say that today <laughs> combativeness or um, just despair or a sense of feeling. Generally, it's a, it's a sense of feeling overwhelmed. That's yes. what I keep hearing from people. Yes. However that emotion works itself out in an individual personality, behind it is just this feeling of being overwhelmed.
0: Because there's so many implications with this topic. Yes, yeah. there
1: are. And if, you, if you're if you following it, it's moving so fast and it's advancing so hard yes. that it's hard to know, where does this go? We know that the implications, we're already seeing them, yeah. are, are bad. But how do we how do we get our minds around that? One, I think, is to step back and remind ourselves with great confidence that Jesus is Lord of all, yeah. and that the Bible speaks to personhood holistically, sure. and that the message that we bring for far too long we've been we've been telling people what they can't do or shouldn't do mm-hmm. without giving them a far more attractive yes, yeah. a far more attractive picture of holistic. Um, Human existence, what it means um, to thrive as a human being and why mm-hmm. God desires that yeah. uh, within the boundaries that he's created human beings um, to exist and to flourish. And so I think rediscovering that. So I, I really think it begins with sort of sitting with the news, uh, the old adage of the news in one hand in the Bible and the other prayerfully with believers. Yes. And us talking about this. Yes. Uh, and learning together. And I also think it is time for parents to begin to be far more involved. Yes. Both in discipling their children and in their children's education. And I'm not talking about homeschooling. If that's what someone chooses, that's what they choose. Mm-hmm. But to be far more involved in their school. Go look at the go look at the library at your at your child school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and it's not about banning books, but it is about trying to discern what books are appropriate for what ages. Right. And I think most people would be shocked by the books in their kids libraries and in their public library that exists in the children's section and in the preteen section right some of them are extremely explicit
0: yeah
1: and um so i just think being more involved discipling our children if we're not going to disciple our children the world absolutely will disciple them for sure and then we sit back and we're so baffled at why they believe what they believe Mm -hmm. but we've not had an active hand in discipling them in our home at all
0: right
1: um And then being more involved in our kids' education and school system and community as a whole.
0: Yeah. I think the kid discussion is just a big one because what I'm feeling too, and I plan to ask this or talk about this, but I feel the distinct um, realization that my kids are going to grow up in a world if I'm to lead them in the way of Jesus. They are going to not be liked a lot of the time. Like yes. if they share the beliefs of the Bible, it's going to create a clear divide between them and other children. Yes, even sometimes in the church, and I think I it's it's really dumb and it's really American, but I find myself grieving the separation that they might feel.
1: Yes, Th- this is where the church in the United States has been, um, has been very different than the church in most of the rest of the world and certainly the church historically. But we're finding now um, that the, the sort of deceptive understanding that we've had, that there isn't a distinction between being Christian, being American now, mm-hmm. is, is is no longer true. Right. It never was true, right. uh, never was true. But part of the, and you and I have talked a little bit about this, part of the disorientation, I think that, that a lot of people feel, especially, people in in their middle ages and, and older is the awareness now that wow, despite what they might have been taught growing up or what they yeah. felt like, our our country, mm-hmm. our, our culture certainly does not have a biblical worldview. Right. And and now it's just um unmasked, on display for everyone to see yeah. and in a sense, uh at war. Yeah. Um and so I think that is it's really disturbing to to a lot of followers of Christ to remember that Jesus was very honest, that to be his disciple will cause relational splits in our life. Yes. It will bring on persecution at times. Yeah. We will not be liked by people. Yeah. And we are so, we want so desperately to be liked. And what we're told by the culture all the time is um, if you disagree and are unliked, mm-hmm. it's because you're being unkind and bigoted. Right. And right. we really believe that because in our hearts we're like, well, I don't want to be unkind and I don't want to be bigoted and yeah. I don't I don't want to cause anyone to hurt themselves. Uh, where Jesus yeah. says, follow me and trust me.
0: Yeah.
1: Love like I love. Bear truth like I bear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Trust yeah. me, and um, and I'll take care of you and I'll be with you. But yes, yeah. the, These days are coming. Uh, every day now uh, more and more yeah. where for our kids to live out faith and this is this is a huge issue for chi- because it is largely children and teens that it's are at the center of this yeah. conversation uh, people are largely the the bruce jenner to caitlin jenner thing is not is not the norm right now right. It, is, it is preteens and teens right. that are at the center of gender dysphoria and gender transitioning right now yeah and so that's why it's such a significant Uh, issue
0: man. it's it's just there's a lot um okay so one thing and i (laughs) matt and i sometimes will have a really quick little theological powwow right after church on stage if you ever see us chatting and so i kind of stuck my foot out and said here step on my toes too because he (laughs) talked about you know uh basically gender roles in the church yes and how and it's funny you've said this before. How for in recent you know years it's been John Wayne manhood, and you know I think of Mary Tyler Moore from the Dick Van Dyke Show. That's <laughs> that's womanhood, and that's not not manhood and womanhood, but it's right. been like the standard even in the church. Right. So what's the church's role in not going? You know, let's define gen- redefine gender, but almost. Having a spectrum of gender expression as a man or a woman, like right. wh- how can we how can we aid in that?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think one way, I think you have to start by acknowledging that we we've done a little bit of harm there, yeah. and in so doing, we have not created space that is safe in the church for for men who don't they don't feel like stereotypical men yes. or women who don't feel like stereotypical women. Yeah. And we've been so strong about the way that we think about uh, maleness and femaleness in the church. And we've yep. been, really, we've brought in so much of culture yeah. um, that defines stereotypically what this looks like for so many decades now. Really, there's, there's rooted history here back in the Cold War and, and things like that, um, that, that we've driven people out of the church who were struggling with this into the LGBT community right? I think the way that we have structured the church, and I said a few things about this on Sunday uh, with men's ministry and women's ministry, yeah. they have been largely so stereotypical of the sort of John Wayne or Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> I, I'm not familiar with that. I'm surprised that you it's, are. It's at, typical. Uh, since 50s. you just scratched 30 <laughs> or are scratching 30. Yeah. But You know, a a men's ministry event is, you know, we're going to rent dune buggies, we're going to go to the desert, and we're going to drive really fast, and we're going to shoot things, (laughs) and then we're going to sit around, and we're going to read a John Eldridge book about being wild at heart, um, and then we're going to have a spitting contest and auction off an (laughs) AR-15. Well, what about about men in the church who are artists and who are musicians and who are writers and who are contemplatives and who Mm -hmm. they don't fit that mold? What we're saying when we describe that as men's ministry is right. they're not men or they're not normal men or right. they're not men as God would have them be. Right. And then we can flip that over to, to women too, to some version of that for women. Let's get together and let's have a tea and let's eat a cupcake and mm-hmm. let's um, let's sew a potholder. Um, well, what about all the women that don't want to do that? What about yeah. all the women who've never enjoyed that kind of thing? And what about women who have higher – uh, maybe leadership gifts, or have more uh, God-given uh, assertive personalities, or yeah. things like that, and they're thinking, "Okay, I don't fit. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not what I should be as a woman." And that's just not true. Right. There aren't traits and characteristics that are uniquely male and uniquely female. Right. Like a lot of times, we might think, "Well, the man is the protector and the provider." Well, maybe. He he may be called on in times to be a protector, to be a provider. Right. But is a a twenty five year old male right now who's living at home with his parents still who isn't married, he's neither a protector nor a provider. But he's is, still is a he man. is he not a man? Yes. And then conversely, if we say particular traits are what makes you a man or a woman, then when one is practicing those, does it then make them that? Right. So if if a single mom is the protector and the provider for her family, does that make her a man? Right. Right. So we've just been really confused in the church about this. Yeah. We have what we've done is taken our cues from the culture largely. Yep. We've said we take them from scripture. I think I think we could build a strong case. We've taken them largely from the culture. And now the culture shifted massively and we're completely confused.
0: That's a really good point.
1: And so I think we need to go back to scripture. Mm-hmm. And let the Bible inform our views of manhood and womanhood, maleness and femaleness, and realize that the way that our gender manifests itself really does exist across a wild spectrum. And in all of our lives. Yeah. um, In all of our lives, and in moments and and different ways, uh, we express the God-given gender that we we have.
0: It's making my brain kind of just spin a little bit, because I don't know who said it, but Shame tends to perpetuate sin, right? So you can yes. sin and then feel shame, or you can feel shame that you don't fit and sometimes and we're not victims of our sin. I want to make that very clear. like we are we sin when we're dragged away by our own evil desires and enticed right. But sometimes I think shame, when we're caught by it, it like it can drive us to to not be our full selves as God made us, and then try to go find someone who will define that. Yes. For us. Shame
1: will shame will often <clears throat> keep us in sin much longer. Yes. Than, yes. Than we sh-
0: That's a obviously, we
1: shouldn't be in it at all, but much longer than we otherwise would have been. Yeah. Um, because we don't feel the freedom to bring that into the light, we feel like somehow brothers and sisters in Christ, even that we're close to, are going to look at us differently or feel differently about us, right. Rather than embrace us and love us, yeah. and it, there's something about the embrace and the love that Christian brothers and sisters give. That actually is a, a God centered part of how yes um, holiness and sanctification works its way out in our lives yeah so when we're not willing to say that uh, and we and we do live in the shame and let the shame have a hold of us it tends yeah. to hold us in those situations longer
0: yeah if I think if Satan can isolate he can you know be more effective
1: yes for somehow. sure for sure
0: um, okay I want to ask a quick little one off question so you mentioned the study from Finland. Mm -hmm. okay and this spoke to me as a millennial because again that whole idea that if you don't affirm you are contributing to someone's suicide that resonated with me yes because I think that's the fear of not being completely inclusive is I'm going to drive someone away. So what can you give us a little bit of context on that study from Finland? I know it's kind of long, but
1: yeah. So just very briefly, a study that concluded and came out was released uh, from Finland in 2014 that really formed the basis of um, the gender affirming therapies and ideologies that we have right now that basically said, look, if, if we don't affirm. Um, young people, people struggling with gender identity, affirm whatever they feel, whatever they think about themselves, and help them move in that direction. Yeah. Whether I feel like a woman trapped in a man's body or a man trapped in a woman's body. Right. To help them move in that direction, then we are contributing to uh, their uh, their mental health struggles, yeah. uh, their tendency towards self-harm, and, and inevitably suicide. Right. And we're years Further down the road now obviously from 2014 and looking back at that study beginning to find that that it had a number of flaws in it mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't the end-all be-all yeah. uh, of the word on this and I think even for us as Christ followers to say we don't want to be offensive but the gospel is offensive to all of us mm-hmm. the gospel tells us That's all good. that we're sinful
0: yeah.
1: and we've gotten so afraid and really, I think we have we've backed off so far from trusting God yeah. in what He says that uh, if we're not gender affirming, um, it's because we're we're failing to really believe at in the deepest places of our lives that God does know better yeah. and that what He says is is better for the person I'm in conversation or relationship with. Right. And I do think I think it's important to say here. I've said every. Uh, every Sunday so far in this series, and we'll, and we'll emphasize it more each Sunday. That I do think the way that we handle this issue is and should be different at the social, ideological activist level than it is at the personal person in my family, individual on my street, right. uh, coworker, classmate, friend level. Yeah, and I think, and we'll talk some about this this Sunday we need to be both compassionate and and I can't I think uh, I think it was Rebecca McLaughlin that I first heard put the phrase together like this probably just as a one-off uh, from her yeah. mind, uh, she's quite brilliant but uh, that we always need to respond both with compassion and conviction mm-hmm. we can't drop one or the other yeah. we have to respond um, with the compassion of Christ and we have to respond with biblical conviction and truth and, and that when a person is experiencing gender dysphoria, gender confusion, it's extremely painful. Now, there's another side of that right now where it is the glamorized, cool thing to do. Right. And, and kids are just jumping on that wagon. And I'm not talking about that. I'm right. talking about those who from the earliest ages yeah. really have struggled with this. It is intensely, personally painful right. and confusing. Um, and we should empathize with that. Yeah. We should be able to sit with them. And say, I absolutely believe that you feel what you feel. Mm-hmm. I absolutely believe um, that that seems right to you and feels like the yeah. direction you need to move in. Um, let, let's say I'm sitting with someone who does feel like, um, we, we tend to see this more in females right now, and... and um, it's a gr- almost at epidemic levels in, in young girls right now, right. feeling like okay, I'm a boy trapped in, in a girl's body. Right. And so let's say I'm, I'm sitting and talking with someone or you're sitting and talking with someone to say I absolutely uh, I absolutely believe that 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 is real to you, that feels yeah. very real to you that you are a boy trapped in a girl's body. and I also don't don't believe that's the truth. I don't mm-hmm. believe you are a boy trapped in a girl's body right. I believe God, um, God created you and gifted you with a specific gender. Yeah. Um, and so I think we've got to get comfortable living in those positions. And I'll also say I don't think that's going to be enough for most people. I think you're right. Because what yeah. they've heard is for you to disagree with what I feel, for you to disagree with what I think is mm-hmm. for you, uh, is for you to be attacking me as a person. Right. My my very existence. Yeah. And we just have to have the confidence as Christ followers to know that that's not true yeah. and that we can both uh, be people of love and people of truth simultaneously. In fact, to be one or the other requires uh, those two together. Yeah, for sure. So.
0: For sure. All right. Well, that's a wrap for us today. If you enjoyed today's conversation, share it with a friend so they can join us as we unpack more topics next week. And I hope you have a great day.